Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never Never, ever, never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Listen, let me just preface today's exhortation with seven extraordinary promises from the Lord Jesus Christ for those who overcome. What is the reward for living a faithful life. He says, wait a minute. You know what? Let me first give you this scripture in Matthew 24, starting in verse 4. Jesus answered, be careful that no one misleads you deceiving you and leading you into error. Amen. And then if we come down to verse 11, Matthew 24, many false prophets will appear and mislead many because lawlessness is increased. The love of most people will grow cold. But the one who endures and bears up under suffering to the end, will be saved. Amen. This, beloved, is the one Jesus says will be saved. This person has overcome and endured and bore up under suffering. How have you suffered? How have you suffered for your union with Christ? Have you crucified your flesh? Have you picked up your cross and followed and obeyed Jesus? Because this is the one Jesus says to whom he will give eternal life, the one who overcomes. Just so we are all clear. So, As I was saying, let me give you seven 
extraordinary promises that the Lord Jesus promised for those who overcomes. Revelation 2.7 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Amen. Revelation 2.11 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Amen. Revelation 2.17 Jesus said, To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manor to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except, except him who receives it. Amen. Revelation 2, 26-28. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him... I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. Also, as I also have received from my... Let me just read that again. I was all over the place with that one. Forgive me, beloved. Listen. Revelation 2, 26 to 28. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potters, like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. Amen. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Amen. Revelation 3.12 He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Amen. And last, number seven, Revelation 3, verse 21. Jesus says, To him who overcomes, 
I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Hallelujah. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Amen. See? See, beloved? <clears throat> See what Holy Spirit has been teaching us as of late? The one who overcomes. The one who remains abiding in Jesus up until either they draw their last breath or Christ returns. That's the one to whom he will give eternal life to. Yeah, I know. I know. Silence. As usual, because anyway, anyway, so beloved, okay, let me officially put this on record. It has been firmly established by the testimony of the Holy Scriptures. It is vitally essential, essential, that we remain connected to Christ as his body drawing life from him it is essential so we will be taking a look at our measure of faith today yep this self-examination is needed by all of us for many claim they love Jesus. They gave their lives to him. They believe they are going to heaven. So then what's the problem? Well, the problem, sadly, in many cases, is that their love for Jesus is superficial. I know, right? That's horrible and tragic. How could this be? So, we got to take a look at what's happening here. Because our souls are on the line if we think we have fellowship with him when in fact we don't. We got to do the acid test to get to the root of where most are missing it. Ready? Are you ready for the acid test? Okay. Here we go. Jesus says, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Amen. John 14, 15. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, here we go. This right here looks to be the problem. Are you obeying Jesus? Hmm? Huh? Because he says further in verses 21 to 24 of John 14, the person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one 
who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. Judas, not Iscariot, asked him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, my teaching, and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. One who does not. Listen to verse 24. One who does not really love me does not keep my words. And the word, this teaching which you hear is not my own but is the Father's who sent me. Amen. Houston, we got ourselves a problem. Professing Christians are claiming they love Jesus, but that they are in willful, habitual, knowing, blatant sin, claiming that he's their Lord and Savior. But how could that be? How could you say you love Jesus, but you practice lawlessness, wickedness every day as a lifestyle? Your life has now become characterized by your sin. You didn't just fornicate and miss the mark and you went to God in godly sorrow and confess that sin of fornication like first john 1 9 tells us to and going forward you sin no more but oh no no not you though not only have you fornicated but you kept on fornicating so much so that now you are a fornicator Capital F, you are practicing sexual immorality every chance you get. And it doesn't even bother you that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.10 that no fornicator, no adulterer, no homosexual no perverse effeminate man will inherit the kingdom of God. And that the living Christ exhorts in Revelation 21, 8, that the cowards and unbelieving and abominable who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality and murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions 
and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist truth. Well, their part, Jesus says, will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Amen. And this, all this, does not sway you in the least. But you keep claiming you love Jesus, though. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Let's go back to the acid test that is on the floor today. Because Jesus says, John 14, 15, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Amen. So are you keeping and obeying his commandments? Do you even know what they are? Are you studying the four gospels? Because see, today, today is cracking open the Bible day. Because if we don't, if we do not know what Christ has said about his exacting requirements of anyone who wants to be his disciples, we will be led astray. And this is the problem that is springing up. Many claim they know Jesus, that they love Jesus. They gave their lives to Jesus, but this is what they keep saying. But Jesus says they honor him with their mouths. But their hearts are far from him. They worship him in vain. Listen, if we are not obeying Christ, then we are not really truly loving him. The acid test that will prove your professing love for Jesus is that you are consistently, actively obeying his commandments. So, according to 1 John 3, if you are living like hell on earth, claiming the name, well, John says you are a child of the devil. You don't love Jesus. Look in verse 10, 1 John 3. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. And then, look, there's a colon. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, who does not seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose is not of God. There it is, my friend, in black and white. I keep telling you all, 
I am not condemning anyone, but we must know, thus saith the Lord, so that we are not confused, deceived, and led astray, because false teachers love to cherry-pick scriptures, giving you what you want to hear. Listen, I know they sound prolific. They are charismatic. Some are even elderly that have been around church circles for decades. And you think old age must mean wisdom. Well, I'm here to break it to you. You got people that are very old and just as I'm going to say it, I'm, I'm going to say it anyway, but no, I'm not going to say it. Let's, <laughs> let's just say that there are elderly people that are not as wise as some, I don't know, African proverb or English proverb has quoted that somehow if you have gray hairs and you are elderly, then that must mean that you are full of wisdom. That's not necessarily true all the time. So, yeah, you don't, you don't love Jesus. John just told us, in 1 John 3 verse 10, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, who does not seek God's will and thought, action, and purpose is not of God, nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his believing brother. Amen. Listen, beloved. Uh, I'm trying by God's grace, by his spirit. I'm trying to get you to see where you are in the faith that you profess. Listen. Listen again to what John says back up in 1 John 3. Now, Let's go back up to verse 4, okay? Because we just saw in verse 10 how children of God and children of the devil are clearly identified, right? Now, back up in verse 4, listen. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness ignoring god's law by action or neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing being unrestrained by his commands and his will you know you do know right that verse five you know okay that he appeared in visible form as a man in order to take away sins and in him there is absolutely no sin 
For he has neither the sin nature, nor has he committed sin or acts worthy of blame. Amen. So, beloved, right here. Right here. Right in the middle. We have no excuse about willfully sinning because the Bible just told us that Christ came. Verse 5. 1 John 3. We have no excuse. The Bible just told us that Christ came in the visible form as a man in order to take away sins. So, we have absolutely no excuse none zip zero nada as to why we are continuing to deliberately sin against god listen verse six no one who abides in him who who remains united in fellowship with him deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one who habitually sins has seen him or known him. Amen. So, beloved, if you are willfully, habitually, on purpose sinning, you don't know Jesus. You know a Jesus, a fake one, who keeps telling you via the apostate bishop that you can live however you want and you will still meet Jesus in heaven. That's not the real Jesus. Because the real Jesus, we are going to be reading about him in his word today. So... If you are deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practicing sin, you do not know Jesus Christ. Verse 7, little children, believers, dear ones, do not let anyone lead you astray. Mm-hmm. The one who practices righteousness, the one who... Listen, strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public and to conform to God's precepts is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one, okay, on the other hand, who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. And what are those works, beloved? Sin. 
Christ came. The Bible is so clear. It's telling us he came to destroy the works of the devil. If so facto, children of God ain't got no business willfully sinning. Not if you say Jesus is your Lord. Where's my note here? 2 Timothy 2.19 Let everyone, because the Bible was telling us before this scripture, how Jesus knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And you keep saying Jesus is your Lord, but you are still in sin. You have yet to come up out of these adulterous remarriages. You refuse to stop watching porn and masturbating to the porn. You keep making excuses as to why it's okay with God that you still smoke weed. Cigarettes, drink like a drunkard, lie like a rug. What you doing? So, like I've been saying from day one practically on the podcast, this, this platform is to encourage us so that we don't go back to sin knowing that Jesus is on his way back and not to mention all that we do are being recorded in the books. What makes you think that heaven is not fully aware of how we live? Think about that. Okay. Okay, getting back over here. Verse 8 of 1 John 3. The one. No, no, no. Did I? No. Verse 9. Here we go. And again, beloved, no one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Why? Because God's seed, his principle of life, the essence of his righteous character remains permanently in him who is born again. So beloved, you mean to tell me that you are born again, God lives in you, and yet you are still watching porn and masturbating to the porn? Uh-uh. Not possible. It's not, it's not, I'm telling, I'm telling this to your face, it's not possible for you to do such an act that is offensive and perverted in the sight of God and still think you have fellowship with him. Beloved, I keep stressing that we are to self-examine where we are in the faith. Are we truly born again? Look over your life because you and I better be sure that on the day that we draw our last breath, that we are in fact in right standing with 
God. Yeah, listen, I have a lot to get to get through today. So listen. Okay. Verse 9 of 1 John 3, no one who is born of God, right, knowingly practices sin because God's seed is in them. The essence of his righteous character remains permanently in him who is born again, who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose and he who is born again listen okay listen listen and listen because this verse i'm about to read once again which is fine with me puts the kibosh on the whining and complaining about how it's impossible to stop sinning. You mean to tell me you don't sin? We all sin. We are all still sinners. No, we are not. We were sinners. But now we have been cleansed by the shed blood of Jesus. So listen to scripture. This is not my opinion. This is not self-righteousness and you know this ain't judging. This is Bible. Where is that? And he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin. Why? Well, because that person thinks that they are just Miss Perfect and know-it-all, self-righteous judger. Now, mm-mm, that's not it. The reason why the one who is born again cannot habitually. John is not saying that this person won't ever miss the mark here or there, but to keep missing it habitually as a lifestyle is not possible for them to do it habitually. You want to know why? Well, the Bible is about to tell us. Cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he is born again. He is born of God and longs to please him. Amen. That's why. Because if you are longing to please God, then you are not going to do those things that he says that if you keep it up, you're going to be thrown in that lake of fire. So listen, let us take another look at the acid test because I will be pulling out this acid test all day. Let's take another look at the acid test. Because Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. See? He said, no adulterer 
will inherit the kingdom of God. So why haven't you come out of that adulterous remarriage? Why are you still cheating on your covenant spouse? Why? You say you are a Christian. You say you love Jesus. Then why haven't you stopped lying and cheating and stealing? Why? Well, because you know it's this flesh. No, that's not it. That's not it at, at all. The reason why, because I'm going to tell you, according to the Bible, not my little personal observation, okay? The Bible says the reason why you continue to sin against God it is because you don't belong to him. You don't you don't know Jesus. You don't love him cuz you are not obeying him. And you are in fact a child of the devil because you do not practice righteousness. Well, if that's too hard to swallow, then stop sinning. Stop it. I know. Listen, God tells us what love, because we have been deceived. He tells us what love is in 2 John 1, starting in verse 6. And this is love, that we walk in accordance with his commandments and are guided continually by his precepts. Amen. Beloved, I'm here as a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That when you make up your mind in sincere repentance, that you will no longer live a wicked lifestyle because you understand the complete ramifications and consequence of sin. It is death. Eternal separation from God. You will be thrown into the lake of fire for all of eternity. That's scriptural. And we can deceive ourselves. We can heap upon us all of these apostate teachers if we want to. Jesus is not confused about his doctrine. It is commanded of us to obey, to walk in obedience daily, striving to put away all those things that he says that will land us over here in this lake of fire and we do not grieve his holy spirit as he sets us apart to be holy and obedient to christ no beloved you cannot be deceived that god is okie doke with sin because he's not he's not yeah, I'm trying to get my tablet to act right. So now listen, right? I want to give us, because I told you, 
it is cracking open the Bible day today. Because if we are not, I'm telling you what I know, if we are not in the scriptures like we ought to, then we would come up with some other image of God that as long as he hands out pagan Christmas gifts and pass out Easter pagan chocolate bunny covered eggs, then we are good to go. No, what? listen, Christ was obedient to the Father when he walked this earth in the body of a man, and yet sin not. And if we are his followers, because you see, that's another teaching for another day. What's coming out? Yes, Holy Spirit, thank you. What's coming out of these apostate denominational churches is that you are to be a believer. What about what Christ said for us to follow him? Therefore, we are followers of Jesus because it's, it's a vast difference between being a believer and being a follower okay so I'm going to give us 11 verses about keeping Christ's commands for if we truly love him we will obey him he said his true sheep obeys him right here in John 10, 27. Let me read it to you. The sheep, Jesus is saying, the sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. See? Follow. And I give them eternal life. And they will never ever by any means perish. And no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand i and the father are one in essence and nature amen john 10 27 to 30 now i know your phony bishop keeps running you all over here as a proof text that no one nothing can snatch away your salvation but that's not the context of what jesus was talking about when he says that no one will ever snatch them out of my hand he's not talking about no one would be able to snatch away your salvation. Because see, the context from verse 1 to verse 27, he's talking about hirelings. False teachers who, who have come in through some other way because they didn't come through him. They have self-appointed themselves. These are they who teach false doctrine. 
And how do we know that to be so about these false doctrines? Namely, once saved, always saved. And Jesus was saying, keep this in context, that his true sheep do not listen to a strange voice with the high sounding nonsense that how we don't have to obey. We don't have to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, deny ourselves, and that no matter what happens, we all still get to go to heaven. That's a strange voice because we know by study, we know what Jesus says about obedience, about counting the cost before we come and follow him. And we know he ain't playing with this lake of fire either. In flaming fire. Listen, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9. Because when Christ returns with his angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? Amen. So, when Jesus is saying, thank you, Holy Spirit, that no one can, no man, no false teacher, because that's who he's talking about. That his true sheep don't listen to them. Why? Because we know his voice. We. How he says it over here? Uh-huh. We. We hear his voice. And we listen to him. He knows us. And we follow him. And he gives them. Those who know him. Listen. Follow. And obey. He give them eternal life. So, if any pastor, preacher, bishop told you that you have eternal security, how prideful is that when you are still living in sin and that you still get to go to heaven? Anyway, that you could live like the devil and still make it out of here in one piece if they are telling you that and you agree with that and and the acid test of your agreement is that you do live like hell on earth well guess what you have already been snatched from jesus because he's saying that his true sheep are so united with him no one can snatch us from his hand and no one can snatch us from the father's hand either that's the context not that no matter what you do you can't be plucked from jesus saving hand but that's not what he's talking about here anyway okay let me give you these 11 verses, okay, about keeping Christ's commands. 
Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them to observe all. Come on, bone. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Already, I've been giving you all, all day, John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amen. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Amen. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Amen. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Amen. 2 John 1, 6. I already gave this to you, but I'm going to give it to you again. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment. Come on, bump, I knock you out. And this is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Amen. We are commanded to walk in love, beloved. John 8, 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Amen. Uh-huh. Yeah. John 8, 52, the next verse. The Jews said to him, now we know. <laughs> now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Amen. He's right. We won't. 1 John 2, 4. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Amen. Number 11. 1 John 2, 5. But who, yeah, 1 John 2, 5. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. Amen, beloved. It's really not that hard to comprehend what is expected of us. Jesus gave us his law. He said that we are, and this is a commandment, we are to love God with our whole hearts, souls, minds, and strength, <coughs> excuse me, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, this is why I stay drinking this hot tea. Because you all, mm-mm-mm, I love it, listen. I truly 
truly love you. I do. Because see, love warns. Love warns the believing brother that if you are going the wrong way, if you are deceived about what sin is and what it is not, this is why we go hard. Because we don't want to see anyone being thrown in the lake of fire. I don't want to go to hell. I know you don't want to go to hell. So as your sister in Christ, I am not... <clears throat> I am not going to sugarcoat what I know. Jesus said for me, he gave me an assignment to tell the people to turn from their wicked ways. Otherwise, they're going to perish. And <clears throat> to wake up, wake up. Those who are in Christ because they are asleep. They are drenched in religion and traditions and commandments of men. Drenched in it. Immersed in false doctrine. And this is why many are finding a hard time to comprehend what I'm saying and what many are saying about what the truth of God's word truly is. Listen, I have no motive, none whatsoever, to tell you what is false. Do I know everything? No. But what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, I cherish it. And then I bring it to the podcast. Just in case you were not aware of this. Because I know firsthand what it was to be deceived by the apostate church. Yes, beloved, there is a false church system at work. And many professing Christians belong to it. So, just so. We are crystal crystal clear about what Jesus requires of us. We must continually abide in him. Bottom line. Listen, three things are implied when we are abiding in Christ. Three things are implied where abiding in Christ is concerned, right? Connection, dependence, and continuance. Number one, connection with Jesus, okay? Because he told us to abide in him, right? Abiding in Jesus, first of all, means having a life-given connection to him. A branch is connected to the vine and a vine to the branch. This is what Bible scholars frequently describes as union with Christ. Notice that this 
connection. This union is mutual. We abide in him and he abides in us. If there is no connection, there is no life, no fruit. Mm -mm. Number two, dependence on Jesus. Because I'm giving us three things that are implied when we are abiding in Christ. Dependence on Jesus. Abiding also implies dependence. This aspect of abiding, unlike connection, is not reciprocal. The branch is dependent on the vine, but the vine is not dependent on the branch. The branch derives its life and power from the vine. Without the vine, the branch is useless, lifeless, powerless. Sap flows from the vine to the branch, supplying it with water, minerals, and nutrients that make it grow. And followers of Christ receive the sap, if you will, of Christ's grace. Through our life-giving connection to him, we are completely dependent upon Jesus for everything that counts as spiritual fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Amen. Beloved, please study John 15. Number three, continuance with Jesus. Abiding also involves continuance. In fact, abide in the Greek means to remain or stay or continue. For example, in John 1 verses 38 to 39, two of the disciples who, who first encountered Jesus asked him, Where are you staying? They wanted to know where Jesus made his residence. The word staying is the same word translated abide in John 15. To abide is to reside. To abide is to continue to stay to remain. Get it? We are to stick closely. Hold on. Never give up on Jesus. We are to stick to him no matter what happens. No matter who comes. No matter who goes. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at Luke, at Luke 9, 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. Listen, Jesus is saying, don't start this journey with me and then look back at the world. For if you do, for if you do that, you ain't fit for this kingdom. The Bible tells us, remember Lot's wife. Mm -hmm. Jesus is like, don't start what you can't finish. That is why 
That's why, beloved, he tells us to count the cost before we become his disciple. He makes that absolutely clear. Listen, John 8, 31 to 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Free from what? Sin. Mm-hmm. Error. 1 John 2, 4. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, his teachings, is a liar. John is like, you don't know him? Mm-mm. Not if you are habitually not keeping his commandments, you don't is a liar and the truth of the divine word is not in him but whoever habitually keeps his word and obeys his precepts and treasures his message in its entirety in him the love of god has truly been perfected it is completed and has reached maturity by this we know for certain that we are in him look at verse 6 of first john 2 whoever says he lives in christ that is whoever says he has accepted him as god and savior ought ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself just as he walked and conducted himself. Amen. So, let me ask you. <laughs> Do you think Jesus conducted himself as a fornicator, as an adulterer, as a masturbator, a liar, a thief, a gossip, a murderer, huh? Do you? So, <clears throat> so what makes you think it's okay for you who keeps claiming they know Christ, they love Jesus? The Bible says, as a moral obligation... We ought to walk and conduct ourselves like we got some spiritual sense. I know. It didn't say that exactly, but you all get my point, right? The Bible says, ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself. Talking about you. Claiming you love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Conduct yourself just as Jesus walked and conducted himself. So, the next time you think about watching porn, think, think to yourself, did Jesus watch porn? Stop it. Well, porn wasn't invented yet. 
Oh, it was. It, no, the camera wasn't invented yet, but all of that pornography and sexual immorality, it was going on then. It's just that the camera wasn't invented yet, but the act, it was going down. John 15, 8. My father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. Amen. So, Cynthia, where are you going with all of this today? Well, where I'm going with this is that we must look at this acid test. You keep saying you love Jesus, but then you are not obeying Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is walking us through scriptures where Jesus is making it crystal clear that the one who actually does love him obeys him. That's it. I, I don't have anything else to add or pad to that. If you love Jesus, you will obey him. Because believing in Jesus means that you trust him, you rely on him, and therefore you follow, you listen, and you will obey him. Because you long to please the Father. And you ain't looking to do anything that will put you back on that broad way straight to a burning hell. Listen. Okay. That's the bad news. We do have good news. Okay. Because I... Please do not misconstrue all of these exhortations. We do have the promise and the hope of eternal life. But we must, yes, Holy Spirit, we must conduct ourselves as Christ did when he walked the earth. We are in him and he's in us. He's abiding in us. Him and the Father are residing in us. It's doable to walk as he walked. Not only that, but we have help. Holy Spirit has been given to us as our paracletos. He walks alongside of us. Listen. The promise is eternal life and this promise of eternal life is found in first john 2 verses 25 to 27 let's read it this is the promise which he himself promised us eternal life these things i have written to you with reference to those who are trying to deceive you, seducing you, and leading you away from the truth and sound doctrine. 
See, this madness was going down even then. Verse 27, 1 John 2. As for you, the anointing, the special gift, the preparation which you received from him remains permanently in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But just as his anointing teaches you, giving you insight through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. About all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as his anointing has taught you, you must remain in him, being rooted in him, knit to him. Amen. That's what it means when Christ tells us to remain in him, abide in him. We are to be rooted, rooted, deep down rooted in him. Because you see, my friend, many proponents that hold to that doctrine of devils that you can that you can't in no shape, form, or fashion ever, ever lose your salvation, no matter how you live, are deceived. And they deceive many into following this nonsense that you can actually disobey God and still live for eternity with him in his kingdom. When the Bible says in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 29, how much greater punishment do you think he will deserve? He who, the one who deliberately go on sinning. Mm-hmm, that one. How much greater punishment because the one that goes on sinning, oh, that one has received the knowledge of the truth. So we ain't talking about false converts here as those who stick, hold, like glue to that one saved, always saved. Because see, their teaching says, well, if anyone does fall away, well, they were never in Christ in the first place. No. No, that that is true on some occasions, but we talking about those who were actually born again, spirit filled, who like Hebrews 10, 26 says, received the knowledge of the truth. They were born again. So verse 29, how much greater punishment do you think he this one we talking about will deserve who has rejected and trampled underfoot the son of God and has considered unclean and common the blood of the covenant that sanctified him. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. See, this individual was sanctified. Bought by the precious blood of Jesus. 
he's not talking about a a false convert because, see, that's their way out. That's their, I don't, I don't know if they want to call it a proof text or reasoning or justification about why they still stick into the madness. But no, this is one the Bible just told us has considered unclean and common the blood of the covenant that sanctified him. And has insulted the spirit of grace who imparts the unmerited favor and blessing of God. For verse 30 Hebrews 10. For we know him who said vengeance is mine. Retribution and the deliverance of justice <clears throat> rests with me. Mm-hmm. I will repay the wrongdoer. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, incurring his judgment and wrath. Amen. That is why. Okay. That is why John warned us in 1 John 3, start, starting in verse 7. Little children, do not let anyone lead you astray. Exactly, beloved. Don't let anyone lead you astray with the madness that we, born again of the Spirit of God, sanctified, holy filled, Holy Spirit filled, teach you that it don't matter how you live in the earth you will still be with Jesus in heaven do not be deceived beloved even Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 9 know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God he's talking to he's talking to believers He's talking to the church at Corinth. He's not talking to sinners. Because they most certainly needs to repent. He's talking to those who are in Christ. Do not be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And we have to wonder, why did Paul list these types of sins. You want to know why? Because this is what they were doing. He was listing what they were doing. They were steeped. Well, I don't, I don't know about steep, but they were heavenly involved in sexual immorality. They were taking each other to court. 
among the pagans. They were they were defrauding one another. So I can see why he mentioned extortioners here. Obviously, homosexuality was a problem. Effeminate was a problem. Fornicating, idolatry, adultery, thievery, greedy, covetous, drunks, slanderers. Because he's saying, listen, do not be deceived. Y'all keep doing these things I'm about to list. You ain't getting in. I know you all thought you was getting in. That's why he's telling them and he's telling us, do not be deceived. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And this is what, by God's grace, I am conveying to you and to myself that if we continue to practice these things, claiming the name, saying that we love Jesus, Jesus is our Lord and Savior, but we are not obeying him, we are willfully willfully doing these things not that we had missed the mark and in true repentance confessed i was wrong father this does not glorify you at all forgive me and then going forward you sin not not that you don't feel that you you have anything to confess because your future sins were, were also nailed to the cross. Who taught you that? No, nowhere, and I mean nowhere in scripture that does it tells us that future sins have already been dealt with. Therefore, you don't have to confess. You don't have to repent. You can live however you want because Jesus got you covered. No, I know it sounds good. And many a, and many a ear have been tickled by this nonsense. My ear was tickled. And many are. Listen. Okay, because, mm-mm, no, you mean to tell me that I can live like all of this? I can live like this all the days of my professing born-again life and still inherit the kingdom because I confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, that I shall be saved. For with the, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen. You mean tell me that by me doing and saying this, that I'm saved and that I can live however I want? Listen. Okay. I keep telling y'all, by God's Holy Spirit, this over here in Romans 10 is not a two-step process for salvation. Paul is 
is over here in Romans 10, <clears throat> making it clear about the anguish in his heart over Israel, wanting them to be saved because they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And they wanted to cling to the law to make them justified and made right with God. Listen. Listen real quick. So you all can stop quoting Romans 10 verses 9 through 10 as some sinner's prayer. See right here? And verses 1 through 4 of Romans 10. Yes, Holy Spirit. And you'll also see why the reason why we must read Scripture in its proper context. Because many, and many were and are well-meaning, wanting to evangelize and bring people to Christ. And they quote this and they print up tracts with this on the back of it that if you quote this, then you are saved as long as you just believe it, just receive it. But when Paul said this, he never meant for it to be a doctrine unto salvation. Listen, see, this is why instead of running straight to verses 9 and 10, read the very first verse of Romans 10. Then you would know what was going on with Paul for him to say what he said down in verses 9 and 10. Because those verses are wonderful, beautiful encouraging comforting who wouldn't want to have read this and treasure it in one's heart but we cannot run a file and just cherry pick passages of scripture and then turn it into a doctrine listen salvation is only by God's grace, not from some prayer and not from any works of trying to keep the law of Moses. It is by his grace that through faith in Christ, we shall be saved. Where repentance comes into play is that without a change of mind that will put you in the opposite direction where you were spiritually and to now receive this free, wonderful gift of salvation. Well, how are you to receive such a free gift if there is no turning, if there is no repenting of the wicked lifestyle that you were living to now turn like a 180 degree turn and come to Christ so that in Him, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit 
can now gut us out, prune us, sanctify us so that we will be able to walk as Christ walked. So that we will be able to conduct ourselves throughout our time on this earth as Christ did. So, over here, just so we can prayfully put this to bed or at the very least shed some light why is Romans 10 verses 9 through 10 used as a sinner's prayer when in fact it was never meant to be so listen Romans 10 1 I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 and this is and after you understand what these four verses were all about, <clears throat> then you can understand that <clears throat> by the time you get to verses 9 and 10, you will understand why Paul said this to Israel at large, not for sinners to quote this, and thus they are saved. So listen, <clears throat> Romans 10. 1 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Verse 4, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Amen. See, see how Paul was lamenting over Israel, the people of Israel, that they missed it, missed it big time. To be justified in the sight of God is not keeping the law. It is through faith in Christ Jesus. He was in anguish about how now God has caused a hardening to come over Israel. They are now blind to Jesus. As Messiah. They had the opportunity. They had the gospel. But they rejected him. And so now. Jesus says. Well you know what. I ain't coming back. Until you Israel said. Say blessed is he. Who comes in the name of the Lord. So right now. Today. 2023. There is a hardening over Israel behind the fact that 
Jesus, God himself walked in their midst and yet they rejected him. And fast forward, here we have Paul lamenting from a broken heart, wanting Israel to get it, to get them to understand that. And then we get verse 9. Then, yes, Holy Spirit, then we get verse 9, that if thou shalt shall confess with thy mouth. Listen, he's talking to Israel, his, his fellow brethren, that if you confess with your mouth that, that Jesus is Lord and, and shalt believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, listen to the gospel. Listen to the gospel. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, we know this now, but Israel didn't know this, or they refused it. So, so, like I was saying, you mean to tell me that I can live? Mm -hmm. I can live like hell on the earth all the days of my professing born again life and still inherit the kingdom of God? Mm -mm. No. I'm just I'm just going over my notes because I really try not to sound like a broken record, but sometimes I must be repetitive for a reason. Because I was saying how you mean to tell me that I can live like hell on earth all the days of my professing born-again life and still inherit the kingdom of God because I said some taken out of context, Romans 10, 9 through 10 scripture as some sinner's prayer, but never demonstrated any fruit in keeping with my repentance that I mocked God and his holiness to his face with my wicked, unrepentant behavior. And don't say, well, if you're acting like that, then you were never born again to begin with. No, 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 no. I was born again, but I kept believing the fake, phony, apostate bishop who kept reassuring me that once I'm saved, I'm always saved. And that how I could not ever outsend God's amazing grace. So I took that as a license to sin. Jesus had me covered, right? His, his finished work at the cross was all that I needed, right? All I had to do was just believe it, believe it, just receive it, receive it. It's a free gift. Grace is free. Which it, which it is, beloved. Listen. 
That's why we don't trample over it and make light of what Jesus did for us. Listen, you all. God's grace teaches us to reject all ungodliness because I know for some of you, all you got to say is, well, God's grace is by God's grace. Well, guess what? His grace teaches us to reject all ungodliness. It doesn't teach us to find loopholes in his word to get around living holy and clean and pure. Study second, no, study Titus. Titus 2, 11 to 14. So let me read it to you. I told you today is cracking open the Bible day. Read it in its context. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Jesus Christ. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and what is that blessed hope eternal life at the return of jesus and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior jesus christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. See? This is why Jesus died for us. So I don't know what you've been told about what and why he died for you. Well, scripture says that he died for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works amen so in closing getting back i don't know if you recall because i'm telling you i'll be going off on these bunny trails not because i'm all over the place i'm led by holy spirit okay getting back if you recall to 1 John 3 and some sound doctrine because I keep harping on this but it's madness it's false to think that we can continue after receiving the knowledge of the truth to sow wickedness and reap eternal life yeah we're living in great self delusion so before I get off on another bunny trail. Because it's ridiculous. Let's pick it back up in verse 7. 1 John 3. Little children. Do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who practices righteousness. The one who strives to live a consistently honorable life. In private. As well as in public. And to conform to God's precepts is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion 
is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. Amen. Many, beloved, are called, but few are chosen. And that's the bottom line, folks. Father, this is a time for us to examine ourselves. If we call ourselves a Christian, a follower of Jesus, but come to Jesus on our terms, then we may want to consider if we are like the man without the wedding garment on. In the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14, we cannot be double-minded, wishing to have some of the world, but also wanting to be at the banquet. The Lord Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, I want to encourage your children to come back to you. That your lights come back to you. To put on Christ and be his true disciple. To, to study the Bible, spend time with the Lord in prayer, and do what is required of us from Scripture, which is the will of God. I give you glory today, Father. Hallowed be thy righteous holy name. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins on the cross and was raised on the third day. Thank you for Holy Spirit who sanctifies us so that we may be obedient to Christ. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you that we are more than conquerors. We shall overcome and endure until the end so that we may be saved when Christ returns. Our blessed hope, the revealing of Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. We long for his coming. Come, Lord. Father, may your kingdom come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, my Father. All right, beloved. Well, there we have it. 
Did you pass today's acid test? How do you know that you love Jesus? That was the main question on the floor today. How do you know that you love Jesus? Because Jesus tells us how we are to know that we do in fact really love him. When we obey him. Amen. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye